Thanks for tuning in to your day off podcast, hosted by your boys, Corey and Tony. I think by the end of today, I might have another best friend. They're committed to making you fall in love with the hair industry, one podcast at a time. Uh, you're going to grab a lot of information. Yeah, you're going to learn a lot. Presented by Hair Industry. Ladies and gentlemen, this is it. Your day off podcast will begin after a word from our sponsors. your day off my name is Corey. of course i'm sitting with my best friend tony what's up buddy what's going on homie nothing man oh another day in paradise another baby. day in paradise man i'm so glad that we're in like spring and almost summer here oh. um here in here in dc we had an amazing weekend um but uh I'll tell you what spring in dc is nice it's really nice right yeah. oh, this year this year's been a little weird because it's been we get like 30 degrees and then we get like 80 degrees like we had yesterday yeah, I guess winter, for some reason, winter didn't want to let go this year. No, you're right. She, she's holding on hard. Yeah, isn't she? big time. <laughs> usually, you know, I have a big garden and I can't, you know, it, I'm planting late this year. Right. Do you but, have to cover your stuff like in oh, your garden? Yeah. Yeah. If there's any, if they're calling for any frost or anything like that. Yeah. So you have keep, to cover it up. Keeping track of the winter of the uh, of the uh, apps. Yep. The, exactly. The weather apps. You yeah, know, like I think we're again. beyond that. I think we already had our last frost. So. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed, man. Hey, so um, today uh, on the podcast, we have uh, a person that like I've kind of been following um, for, for a couple years and just I'm kind of fascinated by her. And, and her story is if it wasn't rich, you know, before two years ago, it certainly gotten rich the last couple of years. Dude. Yeah, we, we've talked about this uh over the last few years, actually, yeah. in the last couple of years, we've talked about her quite a bit, and uh, um, I'm glad we were able to, you know, finally make the podcast happen and and really get into uh, her story. Yeah, her story and how it relates, you know, so very much to the hair world, right? Yeah, to all of us, you know what I mean, and and just just to be able to pick a brain and 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 for her to share, you know, I, I'm curious what she has to say because you know a lot of us we sometimes we struggle and and how, how do we overcome some of this stuff? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. you know, and She's not done and not live in that struggle, right? Like, yeah, like live past that struggle. So I, I'm interested. I'm I'm. Can't wait to get into that conversation. Um, that's just a small part of it. I mean, that's, I know that's that's this much of it, but it certainly is what it's what attracted me to her, and it's what um the, yeah the resiliency, right? The the strength. The yeah, I don't even know if those are the right words. You know, like I don't know if they're big enough words. You yeah, know what I mean. Yeah, it's so crazy. It's great. So um, today our guest is Rochelle Golden. Um, Rochelle is a salon owner and a hairstylist and. Uh, we were talking pre-talk, a former travel stylist, you know, someone who formerly traveled, but, you know, she's uh, slowing down a little bit. Um, we had, um, I had chatted with her a couple of years ago, and then we have done a couple, um, we did a couple panels with her, with with our friends over at Salon Scale, and we'll definitely have to give Salon Scale a big shout out uh, today, because uh, they always step up for us. Yeah, and, you know, it allowed us to really kind of like, kind of do face to face with her a little bit you know what i mean like one-on-one it's not like her and like you know the brady bunch group with all the other <laughs> all right. the other boxes around us exactly cool yeah. should we get in let's do it <laughs> miss rochelle golden welcome to your day off thank you it is uh it's awesome to be here D- dude well, again, thanks a lot. So where, where kind of remind uh every, our, our listeners like where you're from and and where you grew up yeah so i am uh Born in New York, raised in New Jersey. So I am Northern New Jersey, um, about 45 minutes from west of the George Washington Bridge and about like 45 minutes east of the border of Pennsylvania. So um, right smack in the center is where I am. And yeah. So when you grew up in New York, like you grew up in the city or was it like upstate relocated to? I was just born there. That's just where my mom had me stayed there for a couple of months. So Jersey, I am Jersey. That's, oh, you're a Jersey okay. through and through. You just yeah. you know, wanted a New York hospital kind of thing. Essentially. Yeah. <laughs> I think probably moved here when I was like six months. I don't know. You know, not let you remember those days. No Jersey. I mean, kind of like tough guy. To, you know what I mean? When you think of Jersey, you just you think of, uh, you know, someone with, uh, a lot of strength, a lot of just, you know what I mean? Just, uh, yeah, we're going to get into that, ain't we? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I always think of like, you know, tough guys from Jersey. Are you so. a Giants fan or Jets? 
Um, my boyfriend would kill me if I don't say Jets. So we're going to go Jets. Apparently, as he says, extremely embarrassing right now. So. Yeah, it's been a long time. For a while. Just, you know. <laughs> he says it's very painful to be a fan. <laughs> I think, uh, the last time, maybe I'm wrong. Mark Gastineau? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like, it, it's it's like one of those teams, like, like they're like below average for a long, long time. And then they have one season where they'll do okay, you know, and then like they kind of uh, disappear again. But they had that one play. It, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm showing my age. That's yeah, you're definitely showing your age, bro. <laughs> so is he is he like a Jets Mets guy? Um, he just likes sports. He uh he does a lot of driving for work, so he's constantly listening to Greeny and the radio and yeah. sports radio. So he likes the ins and outs of it a lot. Um, I wouldn't. I, I would probably say he'd swing Mets over Yankees for sure. Yeah. Why is that a thing? I want to get into that. So not with you necessarily, but someday, like, why is it like always like, you know, giant? You got to pick a side. Yeah. yeah that's, yeah. you know, yeah. It's because of rhymes. <laughs> like Baltimore Redskins or they're all like their neighbors, right? I guess. Yeah. But it's always like you, you, you rarely find like a Jets, like Yankees fan, right? It's either the Jets and the Mets or it's the Giants and the Yankees. Right. Yeah. Right. I don't know. I don't understand these things. Yeah. Hey, we're we're coming up. We're coming up to East Rutherford in uh, mid July. Oh. We hope to see you there. What What are you doing there? Uh, it's BarberCon. So BarberCon uh, New York is going to be in East Rutherford. So have, it's in like an amusement park, dude. Yeah, the American Dream. I am like, I'm close to there. I will be there. Message me the details. I'll come meet you. Okay, definitely. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I am not uh, far from there at all. Did you know this? No, it's in an amusement park. Really? Yeah. So, Barbara, well, I mean, an, amusement, an amusement park is part of it. It's I'm I'm assuming it's the American Dream Mall. I think that's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. They have like part that's an amusement park. It was like this abandoned building for years. It was this like concept that just went bankrupt and went very, very wrong. It's right next to Giant Stadium, and um, someone came in and made it into something, and now it's like, it's 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 money. Is it? Yeah, I mean it's it's supposed to be incredible. I haven't gone yet, but it's oh, you're going July seventeenth. You're going. I, I will be there July seventeenth. My calendar is 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 now booked. All right, <laughs> <laughs> I like that, man. Yeah, so uh, big shout out to Lee Resnick because he's going to love that we're talking about Barbara in this detail. But yeah, I was I was I, we got the information. You know, we're looking up like Airbnbs and stuff, and I look up the event space. You know, because you know I was setting up our Airbnb like in proximity to where we're going to be, and I'm like this is an amusement park. Like we're doing a barber event at an amusement park. That's so well, it's, it's like a Nickelodeon amusement park. It's not like uh it's uh, not like a, you know, like you go on like a 50 foot tall flag. roller coaster. Uh, yeah. I think you're like riding with SpongeBob on something. Uh, <laughs> a little different okay. level, you know, <laughs> I'm do like an extreme flyer interview type. Oh. <laughs> We're gonna have to work this out. That's crazy, Rochelle. How'd you uh, how'd you find the industry? How'd you find the uh, the, the hair world? Oh man, oh man, that's a loaded question. Um, so I knew that I wanted to start doing hair when I was like thirteen. I went through um some serious stuff at around sixteen. Missed a lot of school, and I probably wouldn't have graduated that year. So I sat down with my parents, and I was just like, "Listen, like I got a plan." If you guys can just back me on this, I, I want to just drop out. So they did. They signed me out. I um, got my GED a couple weeks later and went right to hair school. So I've been licensed since 17, um, behind the chair since 18. So so obviously your parents supported you with this. They did. They did. I mean, I don't think that they were, you know, like jumping through hoops, excited that I came and sat down and told them this. But I think that you know, I've worked since I was 14, actually probably 13. There was a salon that me and my mom went to. And, um, I just reached out to them at one point and I was just like, you know, can I just work for free on the weekends and, um, like sweep for your salon in exchange for just being able to be here. And, um, they said, yeah. So they would like, you know, buy me a sandwich from next door and I would sweep and fold towels and smell that smell. And, you know, I think that's what solidified it for me. So I think that they knew that I wasn't just gonna, you know, sit around and do nothing. I think that they knew it was for, for good reason. 
So, I mean, what was it at 13 that you were like, I want to be in a hair salon? I have no idea. I have no idea. I, I think it's just one of those things. Like when, you know, you know, you know, like I thought it was, I thought it was cool. Um, I loved going to get my hair done. I liked learning about it and I just, I just kind of made up my mind, but the fact that I've stuck with it and grown with it is it's still kind of mesmerizing to me too. So, okay. So a lot, a lot of people, like, I think, and I don't want to stereotype. I right, go ahead. But you know, like a lot of little girls, like, you know, they, they play with the dolls, you know, yeah. the hair, the dolls and stuff like that. And they, and they kind of get into it from that angle. Uh, oh, yeah. that, every, every, every Barbie had no hair by the, by the end of it. I mean, yeah, right? kinda, there's no, there's no full head of Barbies. Yeah, that's like initiation. That's the yeah. <laughs> So have you never, have you never had another job? Is that a terrible sentence or what? <laughs> um, I had other jobs like leading up to hair school. So like I worked at like the grocery store in high school, I worked at like a kid's clothing store and then it was just salons. It was nothing ever, ever else. I never really strayed from it. When you, um, after you got your license and you were on the floor, was it at the same salon? No. So the salon that I assisted at their assistant program was, um, not something that I believe in these days. Huh? Let's just put it that way. So to bypass it, I left and went to a salon down the street, went back after I messed up a couple times. And then I was there for seven years. Whoa, 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 hold on. I'm confused. So you went back to the salon that you started at at 13? No, 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 no. That, that salon had since closed. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, there was a salon local to me that was like pretty well known in our area, but their assistant program was years and I just, it's very different from how I operate my salon now. It's sure. just, I, I, I just think that there, I think that assistant, you, you need that realm of your career, but I think that there are a lot of assistant programs that are probably borderline abusive at this point. <laughs> um, and I was just trying to bypass that. <laughs> right. I mean, I, listen, I think that certainly the assistant program that that we came up in, I wouldn't, it's, I, I definitely wouldn't say it's abusive, but I think that what's happened with the assistant programs, I think they've just evolved and they keep evolving, you know, where, wherever you picked it up is where it was in its evolution. Again, speaking generally and speaking broadly, you know, but, but I think we're evolving here. I mean, I, I think that, I mean, generationally, I think we're there. I mean, we came up, Tony and I came up in, in the age where you earned your, you know, you had to earn your dues and you had to, you know, earn, earn all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I didn't necessarily, I, I only looked at it as this, I'm just paying my dues. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I cleaned many of toilets and, you know, folded many of towels and uh, you name it. But I also think at some point, like forgetting that someone is immersing themselves in this industry to get their hands on some hair and be creative can't be lost on a company. And, um, I, you know, I, I just bypass, I, I did my assistant program. I, I, I did the parts of it that I needed to do, but I also just needed to get behind the chair. So. No, I get that. Completely. Yeah. I, I, I think I was an assistant in two different salons and the first salon that I was in, I don't think that they had like a, I don't know what the word is, but like an educational path, like, like, like it was like you, you were an assistant and then you were on the floor, but there was none of that. Like, let me help you get to the floor kind of thing. Getting to the floor was never the goal. I think the goal was to fold towels and to do that kind of stuff. And then I went to another salon, you know, where they had like a very, very organized assistant program and you do A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and then you get, and then you make it onto the floor. Is that, is that yeah. fair? Yeah, totally fair. Yeah. So, cause we kind of came up in the same, in the same kind of group. And then, you know, again, I think that we're even evolving past that now. I think we're evolving past, like, we want you on the floor. Yeah, you weren't there, there for just dollars. You were, you were there for, you know what I mean? For the future of the company. So they wanted to make sure you're the best hairdresser that you could be. Right. And I don't think the first salon, and maybe because it only had one or two stores that they didn't have this. Like we went to a, so we worked at a salon that had like 13 or 14 stores. So there was a lot of urgency to get. But when to, we started there, they only had two. They grew as they right, had well, a vision. In a, yeah, yeah. I came in a couple of years after you though, but, but by the time that was put together, anyways, I don't know. We went on this tyrant, <laughs> this, this rant right here. Yeah. The, the, the assistant rant. <laughs> the assistant rant. Well, but I think, I think it's all evolving. I mean, I, I see a lot of great stuff now with a lot of salon, but you know, it could also, 
we're not seeing every salon. You know? So by going through through that apprentice program or the assistant program that you went through, mm-hmm. um, I guess it, this helped you evolve to to knew to know what you didn't want to do or what you wanted to do for the young people eventually when when you started your your salon. Absolutely. I so at my company now, I mean I don't mean to jump all over the place, but I typically don't keep someone away from a chair for less any more than about three to max would be six months. Oh, because wow. I think that you you lose their fire, you know, and that's, that's what they're there for. They're and you know, messing up is part of the path. And, you know, it's my job as their leader to help them with those difficult conversations and approach redos and, you know, unsatisfied guests. But in the same sense, you know, they, they already went through 1200 hours of school and touching people and to take that step back and hold that, like, I almost look at it like, you know, like a toy over a cat is it, 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 it doesn't sit right with me. So, you know, we're, we're working heavily. We we're on mannequins and, you know, we do model calls and um, new talent services, which is extremely discounted services, but then they just, they need to start building and they need to learn the other side of it. I love that. You know, I mean, I'm, I'd be curious to actually see how it works, but you know, conceptually. You yeah. Know, I think that. that's brilliant because I remember, uh, yeah, getting out of school and and wishing that that I had something like that. You know, I remember getting out of school and being like, "Oh, another two years of assisting." You yeah, know, after school, you know. Exactly. Yeah, and that's exactly what I needed to bypass for myself. You know, right. on top of just having bills to pay, it's you know, it's the I I just dedicated a year of my life to school. Like I I would like to you know start getting my hands in some hair. Yeah, there's a difference. <laughs> of- of apprenticing, like getting your hours through the salon versus going to a, to a school and already, you know, being licensed and then joining the salon. Fair. Do you have an apprenticeship program or does New Jersey have an apprenticeship program? They do not. So you can only get licensed through fully completing your hours, mm-hmm. taking your boards. Um, but you can work in a salon like shampooing and touching clients after half, half of that time. Do you need to be licensed to like shampoo hair and stuff like that? No, uh, they'll give you a permit. Oh, you get a permit because we, mm-hmm. we need that in like DC, right? Yeah, not in Maryland. Mm-mm. Yeah, it's so weird. All the different, like, crazy little laws. Yeah, know? I mean, you would think it would just be the same across the board, right? Because especially when you like we're in the DMV area, right? So, you know, two miles here, you're in Virginia, two miles there, you're in DC, and then two miles here, you're in Maryland. So, we're all it, it's the DMV area. You would think they would have the same. You know, exactly. walls exactly, but you know, you know, such as such as bureaucracy, right? <laughs> how long? How long were you on the um working for other people and in the hair salon? Um, I was a commission stylist for the first ten years of my career, uh-huh. and then I opened my first salon at twenty seven. When you opened up your your first salon at twenty seven, I mean. Your parents, you know, even though they backed you up, they weren't necessarily <laughs> a fan of, of your decision. Uh, could they see your 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 progress the whole time? Were they proud? Were they when you opened up your first line? Were they like, you know, happy and, and proud of you? Absolutely. So me and my dad are like this. And he like he just he says it all the time. He's like, you're going to be a millionaire before you're 40. Like, I just I just know it. Like, I just I see it, you know. So he's, he's insane. He's just the best. Um, my, my mom, I think was just like side by side with me. So she would never like tap me on the shoulder and be like, Oh my God, I'm so proud of you. But I think that she was just in it, you know, like she was the one helping me put away the color tubes before we opened and and stuff like that. But yeah, they are, they're very, very proud of me and my company. And I think that, you know, I think that they learned a lot too. Cause I think that, you know, you're, you're, sold and told that you have to go this path. And if you navigate differently from said path, then you're making a mistake. But, you know, maybe if we look at them in a different light as, you know, just someone else's version of progress, then, then we can all get to where we belong. And uh, I think that they definitely learned that, which, which was cool. That's very cool, man. You know, it's very cool. It, it, I think like just your mom helping you put away tubes and stuff that kind of tells you that she's in it and that she's proud of you. Right. 
Oh yeah. Like even a couple of weeks ago we were, um, there was like another, or I think it was like right after Christmas time when like, there was like the uptick in COVID cases. Mm-hmm. We were, um, we were so busy one day and, uh, my mom came in and was folding towels. Like it was nothing, you know, she'll, if you ask her to help, she's there, which is, which is incredible. I'm very grateful. That's so very, very cool. That's yeah. awesome. What, um, so did you, when you were working in like a commission-based salon, did you have any kind of background meaning like, did you go through like a summit salon or did you go through a salon that had like a lot of like a, like business aptitude? So the salon that I was at for a while definitely attempted to run summit based. Uh-huh. I run, now run my salon, the polar opposite. Uh-huh. Um, Yeah. I was like next I wasn't taking shots <laughs> no 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 it's it's uh it's it's no it's it's fine it's just um you know I think that we all find who I was in business five years ago and who I am now I I can't even really recognize that person but it was who I needed to be then and I am exactly who I need to be right now and I think in two years I will continue to evolve into the version of me that that needs to be there right and you know, there are programs that work for certain companies and um, programs such as that is not really how I lead mine. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think that everybody finds their success in, in the, in the route that they, that, that they need it. I, I agree. I was just, I was just, was there, was there a path from day one, you know, kind of how, how to run a business, how to, you, did you, did you learn that kind of stuff is all I was getting at. But so oh. when you, so when you, um, when you open your, when you open your salon, what was the things that you, you kind of wanted to put into place? Was it like, like, as far as, um, what word am I looking for? Like culturally, like how did you go? Cause I think that that's probably the hardest thing when you open a salon, it's easy. You know, the numbers run themselves, meaning like, you know, here's your numbers and here's what you got to get. But, but how do you build like the, the, it's almost the unspeakable or the, um, how do you build that? Culture? A lot of times, yeah, a lot of times as you, I know like for me as a parent, right. I even though, uh, when we had our children, I, I might not necessarily knew how to be a parent, but I knew what I didn't want for them. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I kind of went off of that, but, uh, I guess as, as a young stylist, right. I mean, if, if you don't have a business background or you don't know, I'm sure like she said, she knew what she didn't want, uh, and, and sometimes we just go off of that, but yeah, I'm curious, like how did, how did you know that you were ready to, to own a salon and, and put everything into practice? So I think exactly like what you just said, I think my initial reasonings for opening a company are probably very simple, similar to a lot of people. They've experienced a lot of things that they didn't want, but I also think that that's like really treacherous water to walk because if you, if you aren't extremely careful. I think that you just, we just continue replicating what we've had because we don't know any different and we don't know any better. So while I can sit here and say, Oh, that, you know, that the prior owner that I worked for X, Y, and Z, I didn't really agree with, you know, until I look myself in the mirror as in the shoes that I need to be standing in, I'm going to continue approaching things in a very similar way, because that is all that I really knew. So I would say that I, my initial reasonings for opening was, you know, obviously I I wanted to show myself that I could, and I wanted to create something that hasn't been created, but that final portion really didn't take place until like the last two years. Like I, I, I wasn't ready to do the internal work of what lives behind creating what hasn't been created in my area. Um, until, until more recently. Got it. So a couple of years ago, like she literally like blew it up and then had to reinvent herself a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, how many years, how many years have you owned a salon? Uh, this is my fifth. Oh, it'll be five in December. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah. okay. So I, I'm, we're going to fast forward a little bit now. So I, it's not really the first time that you came on my radar, but it was the, like the first time that like I kind of was watching or kind of knew, you know, through the old Instagram. And it's so weird that you have all these stalkers and you don't even know, you know, but, but, you know, we were kind of keeping an eye on you. And then I guess it was like, it was during like Christmas rush or something, right? Like, like you had a, you had, you had a fire at your salon. Right. And, and kind of walk us through how much, what happened, what happened. And then, you know, how much of the, of the salon did you lose? Okay. So, um, I lived in the same town as my first salon then we've since moved. Um, 
So it was like seven in the morning. It was the Sunday before Christmas. So it was three days before Christmas. It was our last day to work. We usually actually didn't even work on Sundays, but it was just, I always closed my company the week before the week between Christmas and New Year's. So it was like our last day before break. Um, and I heard a ton of sirens and I remember I was like doing my makeup like, uh, and I'm like, Oh, whatever's going on must be pretty bad. Little did I know that was, (laughs) was my thing. That was pretty bad. Um, And then my mom uh, lived in an apartment that was attached to our house. So she came upstairs and she had gotten a call from one of her friends that apparently there was like smoke. We were in a mixed use building. So there was a laundromat next door. There was a bagel shop. There was a bunch of businesses upstairs, an apartment upstairs. So in that general vicinity, um, there was some smoke. So I ran down there. didn't even have shoes on. Um, There was snow. And yeah, I mean, it was it was gone before it even really started. We lost absolutely everything. Whoa. And how many years ago is this? Is this? Uh, December was two years since. So still you're relatively a young owner. Yeah. Yeah. It's two years in. Like we had just celebrated our two year anniversary. Right. I mean, so it was 2019 then, right? December. Yeah. So, so what was the cause of the fire? Uh, There was something electrical with the laundromat as so they say. I mean, I feel like laundromats are targets for things like this, but yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that that even in your own home, it's like the most vulnerable spot, right? Like your 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 washing machines and stuff, or your dryers, stuff like dryer, that. Yep. Whoa. So, dude. I mean, I can't imagine. I just can't imagine the feeling of loss that that must have been. That was. That day and the days leading up to it, it still makes me emotional to talk about it. It was probably some of the darkest moments of my life because I think that there's this, I've often said this to people. It's like, not that I would ever wish this on anyone or, you know, change anything, but I feel like if you lose your home, right? Like you run to the store and you get, you know, a pack of shirts and a pair of sneakers and you get a hotel and it sucks and it's horrific. But if it's your business, like this is my livelihood, this is what feeds my child. This is what raises her. If I, you know, where the heck do you go from here? Like, and I think that that realization that sunk in that night of how am I going to feed my kid was like something that still it's, it's, it'll haunt you for sure. And not only you and your employees. Absolutely. Yeah. They were all, we were all standing there watching it happen. Absolutely. Were you guys like, I I mean, I I would, I see a movie thing. Like, were you like holding hands and crying? I mean, I don't know. So it's actually really funny. I can laugh about these things now. If you asked me two years ago, I'd be a disaster, but we, it was like our, like our like ugly, like Christmas sweater day. So there was one girl that was like dressed up as an elf. So she's like standing in front of this fire as like an elf. Like it was just, it, it was just, it was, <laughs> we look back at that often and we're just like, we looked so stupid, but like, <laughs> we're not like friggin' dressed up for Christmas, watching everything just burn to the ground. But, um, yeah, I mean there, we cried a lot and, you know, in the middle of that, like I had to call my, my mom had my daughter at the time, so they were okay. But like, I had to call my dad, you know, like as I'm watching it burn down and that was, I can't even imagine like being as a parent, like being on the other side of that phone call, you know, like there's nothing that you wouldn't do for your kids. And what do you, what do you do? You know, I'm sure you uh, have the same helplessness oh, yeah. that you were feeling, you know, here's what? a, here's a bad joke. because she had a big stocking full of coal. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, we often say we're like, Oh shit. Like once um, it, you know, once it hit the hairsprays, we were done or the yeah, you know, yeah. color tubes, like, mm, see you later. But again, like we can joke about it now that we're on the other side, but somebody that is actively going through this, I, it's dark. It's really, really dark. Can't imagine. Okay. So, but it's like, it's like, but it's like a double whammy, right? So it's, here it is, is 2019 December, not knowing what's lurking a couple of months away. Well, I was going to, yeah. In the interim, what, what did, did you, did you end up at another salon? Did you end up back at your old salon? Did you, you know, so, yeah. So there was a bunch of local um, salon owners that had reached out and a, uh, the fire was a Sunday. Mm-hmm. I, the day after Christmas was the 26th. I met with a salon owner. He had enough space for all of us. So we kind of took over a corner of his salon. I paid him rent. 
Um, and we essentially operated House of Gold Salon under his roof um, until I figured out what was next. Well, I mean, what was next was, you know, March 2020, right? Yeah. So, so were, you in the salon? were you in the salon when um, were you in his salon when when you guys got shut down? Yes. So everything shut down here March 14th. And March 13th, I signed a lease. (laughs) I don't know. I think I just, I thrive in chaos, I guess. I just, you know, look at it half glass full or half glass empty. I think part of my head was like, well, what the heck else could go wrong right now? Like, (laughs) how much worse could it really get? Like a movie. It's like a horse, horror movie. Yeah. Yep. A lot of like slaughter going on. Yeah, absolutely. It was a, it was a wild ride. And then, so were you, you signed the lease on, on the 13th, but I guess I assume you were having stations come in, you're having, uh, uh, you know, chairs come in and all that kind of stuff. Did that, did that get slowed down or stopped? So the space that I rented, I looked at in January. Well, they tried to, it's again, I'm in a three floor building now. Um, they had tried to show me a space upstairs and it just retail purpose wasn't going to work. Mm-hmm. And there was a space downstairs, but it was all like boarded up. And I was like, is that for rent? And the lady looked at me like I was nuts, but I'm like, it was, it's, it's like front and center. There's like a door right there to, you know, this busy road. Um, so there were no walls, there was no ceiling. There was like, it, it was everything. Was Just a shell. It was a shell. So yes, I got the keys and it needed everything. It needed a full renovation. Um, so there was a lot of stop and go with that, like getting permits during, you know, the start of COVID was a real gift that I never saw coming. Um, so, you know, it, it, it was very, oh, we're good for two weeks. And then, uh, uh-uh. and then there'd be like some sort of loophole that they could keep working through. And then, uh, uh-uh. but, uh, by like the beginning of May, things went full force and thankfully, you know, they already had my project. So we just, we just hit the ground running the minute that we could. That's awesome. And then when, did, so a, a couple things. So I were, did, did you get insurance money from the other salon? I mean, where did, where was the capital, I guess, you know, being that you had just, you know, lost your salon. Absolutely. So um, insurance is um, something that I could talk about (laughs) in the face um, because I think that we have to have it, but we have no idea why. Um, I think it was also a really harsh realization of your business is not worth a lot. It's just not, it can emotionally, you can have a lot vested in it and you can think that it is worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. But the reality is, is the items that are in your salon are heavily depreciated. So there's no value there. Um, so I got pennies in comparison to, you know, what you invest into it. Um, thankfully I am financially very savvy. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, I've never gone into debt for my company. So I just was able to somehow swing it. Well, there's a lesson there, right? Yeah, absolutely. So for our listeners, I mean, what are, what are some of the things, uh, that you would suggest, uh, you said savvy, what would you suggest for them to kind of make sure that they do kind of, you know, tease to, cr- to cross and eyes to dot, right? I mean, what are some of the things that you would recommend them to really f- make sure they have in place? Absolutely. Um, so I don't, I don't view my business as mine. I, I think that I pay myself enough to get by and the rest lives in the company. Um, which is, uh, I think a huge mindset shift from a lot of people. I think that, you know, we want to treat ourselves and we want to, you know, show ourselves that we've earned things by creating this, but things are just things. And, you know, if a fire doesn't teach you that, then, you know, something will, but you don't need a lot of things you need to pay your bills and you need to continue to keep, like you said, capital in your company. Um, and as far as insurance goes, there's, there's different things that you can look out for. So there's something called like stretch limits. So, um, things like, uh, a stretch limit is essentially the amount of money that they can pay you out for certain things. Um, you want to make sure that those are set pretty high because if your limit is 20,000, if that's your stretch limit, and if whatever it is that you're listing off to them is valued at 
double, triple that, they can't give you that because your limit is set at X. So sometimes, you know, maybe having someone that's really well-versed in insurance or spending the extra time to have those conversations with an insurance agent will probably really help you in, in a God forbid instance like this. Wow. So I, I, I okay. You're not an insurance agent, but I'm going to ask you some insurance agent questions. Sure. So I'm a, little, I'm a little confused about the stretch limit. So, well, let me, let's back up. Let's, let's, let's focus. Let's moving forward. Do you now, was it just a lack of insurance that you had or was it a lack that they wanted to pay? I mean, we know, we know what the insurance game is about. Like, like was it when you open up your new salon and now you have like a new insurance, you know, policy, like what, what changes did you make to make sure that you're even better protected, if any? So I actually did not make any changes to my insurance because I think that the bigger real reality that you have to have is that your company is not worth a ton of money. So it's, you know, the actual projected future of like a sale of a company is like your exposure on socials um, and, and, and things that aren't even touchable, tangible things. So, you know, obviously like you want to know that you're going to be protected, but by being protected is probably saving more than you're spending and, and, and things in that nature. You know what I mean? Um, so I chose not to make any changes, but as far as the stretches go, there's different limits. So like there's, or different brackets. So like, computers and such like that live under a different bracket than the like decor and like my chairs and such like that, that, and that, that lives under a different bracket than, you know, the plumbing work and the electrical work that I had done. And you have to have receipts for everything. And if you don't, then you can't prove it. And then, you know, you're going on a whim, but the best example that I can give you is I did have receipts because I have one business card and I put everything on there. Right. And like we had a Keurig machine up front and we bought it for 150 bucks or I bought it for 150 bucks. Well, the, depreci the depreciated value of that was $43. So that's all that they're going to give you. It doesn't matter that you bought it for $150 and it doesn't matter that the piece of paper that you're showing them proves that. It matters that at the minute in the fire, they're saying that the depreciated value was 43 bucks. So it's not even enough money to really replace that Keurig machine. It's, it's, it's. Dude, that's just, that's what sucks about insurance, right? Because oh, it's, it's the perception. And like, you know, when you see the commercials, they're always like, we've got your back, but really they've got their own back, right? Oh, yeah. they, they don't have your back and they're, and they're, their game is to is to pay out as little bit as possible while you're paying them as much as possible, right? Like that's that's I think yeah, understanding that everything that you're dealing with is a business. Everything is. And I think that once like you and not in like a cynical way of just like, oh my God, the world that we live in, it's just more so like, okay, they're operating as an attempted profitable profitable business the same way that I am, you know? Right. Well, sort of. <laughs> I'm doing so with a good conscience. I actually had a really, I had a couple of really difficult conversations with them that you know it it is what it is. What are you what are you going to do? You know, from the fire to um, renting out space at a at a local salon yep. to rebuilding your new salon. Did you lose any employees during that process? I lost two employees coming back from COVID. You didn't lose the elf, did you? I can't even remember who the elf was. <laughs> One of us was a damn elf. That's all I know. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that, I think that had it had not been COVID and had, you know, the best way that I can put it is everybody loves you until they don't. And until like you have to put your foot down and, and step into your shoes as a leader and put boundaries there, they, they love a version of you until there's a boundary that they don't, you know? And I think that had COVID not had been in the picture and, you know, had I had not gone into like severe fight or flight mode of just, um, we just have to freaking reopen. Mm -hmm. um, maybe, maybe, but I, I don't harp on those like feelings or emotions. I think that, you know, everybody's with you for a certain amount of time. They're not supposed to be with you forever. Everybody's on their journey of evolution. And, you know, we've grown immensely. I like that. We've like talked that. about stuff like that on the podcast before. I love owners that have that mentality, right? That, you know, we're all on our own journey Yeah, and, and it's not personal. So, you know, I'm just grateful to be able to be a part of your journey. 
That's that's that that's it. I mean, I think, and we've talked about this on the pod. I it, it's one of my I don't want to say pet peeves, but certainly one of my whatever you call it soapbox issues is that I think as an industry we have to do better when it comes to separating um, relationships. Right. Like, I think we have to do better, like as a salon owner, like if someone gives you two weeks, you know, don't kick them out the door, which has been the traditional kind of like way to do this. And and, and for hairdressers and I'm let me just say I'm a million percent guilty of this, but by giving those two weeks as well and not like sneaking out during the weekend, which I've snuck out during the weekend you know, a couple of times, you know, but, but only because I didn't feel like I could give the two weeks notice. Right. So, you know, I I think that if we, if, if we treated our industry, if we treated our careers as like the rest of the world does in the sense of, you know, having an actual HR department and stuff like that, I just think that we just need to do better as an industry, you know, and if you're going to a suite, awesome. How can I help you go to a suite? Or if you're going to a whatever, you know, um, and, and I, Rochelle, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but is that kind of how you, is that kind of how you see it? And like, what's as a salon owner, what's been your relationship with sweets or I don't even know what New Jersey does. Cause they always have weird rules. You can't even pump your own gas in Jersey. <laughs> you, cannot. you cannot. So booth rental is illegal in New Jersey. Illegal. Pop- yeah. Illegal. Um, so sweets are popping up left and right. Um, I think exactly what you just said, like, you know, the two weeks things and this and that I am, I'm guilty of every mess up possible. I am not like, I I didn't step into leadership as this version of me. I've grown into this version of me by a lot of mess ups. So um, I did have one team member leave and go to a suite. Um, It was not a great leaving experience. You know, I, I, but I learned from it too. I think that there were mistakes on both ends. Um, My thought process on suites is I think that a lot of people are leaving in like heading to them um, in spite of something rather than them understanding the immense amount of responsibility that they're taking on. A lot of times I think that they're leaving because they don't want to deal with X, Y, and Z, not realizing that navigating your own 104 square foot room is putting that on your shoulders plus 10 times more. You there, There's no barrier between you and the guests. There's no barrier between you and the boundary that you have to place. Like it, it, it has to, you know, um, you have to be all in. And I think that, you know, a lot of people don't understand that. And I think that they just want to own their own business. Very similar to my story in the beginning. Yeah. I think that owning like in the suite and and I agree with you. I think, I think a lot, I think, I think a majority of when you leave a salon is because you're leaving something. Right. Like, I think that that's just the way, again, I think we can do better in that as an industry as a whole. But, you know, when once you and Tony and I are both in a suite, so, you know, we can speak from this, but like. You're paying for all of that, meaning like, you know, like like whatever your salon owner is paying for and whether it's emotionally or whatever, like bringing clients in the door, you're going to pay for that either with money or with time. You know, yes, at the at the end of the year, you're 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 uh your, your tax return looks a little better, right? Money-wise, there's no doubt about it, right? Your tax return looks a little better, but you've paid a lot. You've paid a lot more time. Like, like I go into the salon literally an hour early every morning just to prepare for the day, you know, where when I worked in the commission salon, I was there 15 minutes early to prepare for the day, you know? So now I'm paying for that extra 45 minutes with time. Yeah, you're, you're now you're, you're spending time ordering your products. You're spending time cleaning, you're spending, you know, there's so much more time invested. You need, it's not like you're going to a salon, you do your day's worth of work, and then you don't have to worry about it, right? right. I mean, there's so much more. As as an owner, there's you, so much more invested. So you're earning that little bit of extra income. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're definitely <laughs> earning that income. Yeah. I think it's just, I think more than anything, I think it's a transactional immense like amount more of money. I don't, I, I think that you're just seeing a lot more money. You're touching a lot more money, but a lot more money needs to be divvied up into X, Y, and Z. You know, you have to learn the ins and outs of taxes, sales tax, um, self-employment tax, depending on whatever your company is set up as. So I think that while you, you know, and I think that that's like the initial excitement that probably comes is like, oh my gosh, we did X this month or I did X this month, but then you also have to pay things that you've never had to pay before. So um, I, I, I'm, I would assume that reality probably sets in fairly quickly the same way that it did when I opened my company, you know? Yeah. No, no. I, yeah. I agree with you. And, and what I even meant by the tax return is like, there's a bigger number on the tax return, um, you know, in the first line, you know, but that doesn't necessarily, and then the, you know, yeah, the bottom line, you know, like, like at line nine, it doesn't. However, 
we can also be honest too when it comes to like buying a car or buying a house that top number looks a lot better too than than the other one you know so you get that um and you get and of course i mean to fair is fair right i mean you get you you get a few more write-offs that that, that you wouldn't uh, normally get working as a commission salon so so you get that kind of stuff but as far as like you're right at the end of the year do you do you have the again the money that you have extra that's there you've earned right? You've earned with the extra 45 minutes that you come in in the morning, you've earned with the extra, the extra money. I mean, can we talk retail and how much it costs to put retail on the shelves, you know, and for how long, and not only does it cost you money to put retail on the shelves, but it costs you money to keep retail on the shelves, right? Like, like the whole retail game, is, you'll understand a totally different level to the retail game. Once you pay so you would respect your salon owner. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. You know what I mean? For yeah. what they invested in you as far as in retail, because retail is it's no joke. Yeah. It's not. It's, it's so expensive. It's so expensive and it's really hard to kind of, it's hard for me at least to kind of see the, the, because that money turns around all the time. Yeah. You know, so it's hard to kind of like track, like when you slow things down, like, okay, what did I actually make on this bottle? And what's the yeah. real number? Not like a guess. There's, there's very little profit in retail. And yeah. I think that it's a very old school salon world mentality that you have to have a ton of retail at the front of your salon. It's actually something that we're completely phasing out. Um, we do a lot more online sales at this point. We can readily go onto our website and get whatever you need, however you need it. We can send them their prescriptions, quote unquote, from an email. Um, and that is by the end of the year, we, because I think it's just square footage that you're paying for that might as well be making you money. And when you're buying something tangible, you're, you're at the mercy of the company on how you can mark that up. And there usually is very, very little. I'm going to stay on this subject for, for a minute, but I, I, I agree. And that's why I was, until I was forced to do it, I really never really appreciated that 10% that salons would pay you on retail, right? They're, they're giving you the profit basically off that retail you sold. They're, you know what I mean? They're giving it to you. And it's, uh, I'd never thought about it that way, but you're absolutely correct. Right. Like, like if you're in a commission salon and you get 10%, you're getting the profit off that product because if any, if the salon owner isn't taking a hit on it, because there are certain companies that will tell you, these are the amounts that it has to sell for on your shelf. And a lot of times that's just a double. So really, right. If I bought this bottle of shampoo for 10 bucks and they're telling me I have to sell it for 20, then the profit is 10, but I need to use that 10 to buy another. And then I have to pay out Sally on top of it. So the profit is really not there on top of, you know, inventory sitting on your shelf that you're praying somebody buys. So it's, it's taxes and sales tax. It's just like, yeah. yeah. So the salon owner is definitely taking a hit for that style stylist. And I will tell you this, though, if you're going into into a suite or into into make sure that you have an agreement with your distributor that you're not paying taxes up front for for retail. You know, a mistake that I made for about two years is I was paying taxes on that money up front. And now that's coming out of my that even though we're charging taxes, that that single product has taxes have been paid on that twice. So as a as a salon owner or as a suite owner, do not pay taxes on that. And you need to get um at least in the state of Maryland, we have we have a tax like uh we have a form here. Yeah, it's right. Like S, it's a it's like an S T something form. Exactly. Some sort. Yep. Absolutely. But that will save you so much money. So, you know, again, if you're going to bring retail in, make sure that you have that agreement with your distributor. And if they're not willing to do it, then don't buy, don't buy product from them. But I know the big guys do it. I know salon centric and Cosmoprof do it. Yeah. We use salon centric. We love them. We love, we love salon. We, 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 we love all of our relationships for show. <laughs> so what are you, so let's, let's, let's go back to like you guys are not carrying retail. So how are you working this out? Is it all through affiliate programs or what are you doing? Yeah. So um, we have retail up front right now. Um, we have some, there's been a lot of transitions in our company. So I think if you wham, bam, your team with every single one at once, you know, they're, they're going to get a little reactive. It's going to be scary. Um, so we do have some, but um, yes, we have, um, we work pretty closely with salon interactive. So you just enter your uh, distributors, in information into there. They partner with a few of the distributors that we use, and then you can pick and choose um, whichever brands you want to carry online. And then they can brand the site by adding your logo and such like that. Um, and it's really cool because I can then give each of my team members a link and they can make that commission off of the sales that they are selling through their link rather than um, 
us having to physically carry it. It also, you know, we're a green circle salon. So we reduce our carbon footprint that much more by just keeping it singular in the sense of, Hey, head to our website. We have QR codes all over our, all over our salon that they can just scan. Um, but yeah, by the end of the year, we will have no retail at the front of our salon. How, how, how would you, uh, handle, uh, uh, stational products? That's considered back bar that we'll still have. Okay. And then, yes. And then you just have a community, like a communal area that for styling and stuff like that, people just come yeah, grab. Yeah. Yep. So we have like a shelf. Um, it's like this taller shelf um, towards the back of the salon that we keep all of our stylist use stuff on anyways. So nothing would really change there, but the commissions that you will get from online sales is almost like double, if not more the profit margins that sit from a product being on the, on the shelf, depending on where you're pricing your things. So that essentially would fund back bar and more because, you know, you're making some of these companies will give you up to like 25% commission, which, you know, if your company is selling the same volume or even a little bit less, that should be funding everything that you need on top of being able to truly profit. And you mentioned salon interactive. Tell me about that. Yes. Salon interactive is a company. Um, they essentially have an online store um, and they partner with distributors. Like Salon Centric is on there. And then you can type in your distributor number or your ID. And then that gives you the access into creating your e-commerce store, which you can upload your, um, your logo and all of that. And then you can select which brands you want to carry on your online store. And then a client that goes right there can literally shop it as if they were just shopping any online store, grabbing whatever it is that they need. Now, does then, each stylist in your salon, do they have their own storefront or is it the Golden House? So it's House of Gold Salon storefront and they will eventually get all of their own codes. Once we phase out retail, then they will get their own code. So how do you keep keep the motivation of selling, right? Because when it's a physical product, it's easy to, to or easier, I, I would assume that, to, to sell it because it's right there in front of you. But how do you, uh, that was my phone. So how, how do you um, keep that motivation to, to, to be able to pay for the back bar, pay for the uh, stylus uh, products on, on the shelf that, to, to keep that sale up? Cause it, it, it's easy to kind of like fall into, I don't have it. So I, I don't right. sell it. Right. So I think um, that, that's a really great point. So I think that understanding consumer behavior has been really big for me and understanding that the pandemic has actually expedited consumer behavior by their saying almost a decade, which is mind blowing. But if we allow our minds to go there and understand that and dissect that, it, you know, I, if I subconsciously we're constantly grabbing for our phone to grab something on Amazon or something here or something there or looking up something or re or, you know, Oh, so-and-so talked about this. So why can't that be my company? Why can't they just, why can't they have that automatic? Let me go grab that from her salon. Well, let me go grab Olaplex from X or, you know, rather than, Oh, she talked about Olaplex. Um, let me look at and see if Sephora is having a sale. Why, why can't I just change the narrative and allow them to right. get it from me? And I think, you know, it comes with a lot of just changing the narrative, you know, like a lot of what we do within the walls of my company is a lot of just thought provoking changes that, you know, we, we see value in. I'm so interested in this. I I, I want to, after, after you've done it, kind of like completely for six months, I would love to have a conversation with you again. About it, like, how yeah. is it working? But I want to be, but I want it to be gritty. Like I want the, I want the truth. Like this worked, this didn't work. You know, yeah. if I were to do this again, how would I set it up differently? Like, like that's the conversation that I want because I certainly, like you said, I think it, I think retail is coming from like an old school kind of thought, but then like, if this is the next step for that, like, we don't want like, Oh, everything is groovy. Like, like if I'm a salon owner and I'm thinking about this, like what's the grit you, you feel right. me? So I think that a lot of salon owners are stuck in the, like we said with suites, the transactional income that comes from product, but they're not breaking down their invoices and seeing how much they're actually spending that if they made $1,100 that week in retail sales, they probably spent 
half of that on purchasing it and are going to take the other half of it and spend it. So I get a lot of, you know, uh, slack on social media, lack of a better word of, you know, well, products pay for my team's time off. And it's like, no, it really doesn't. It comes from another source. It comes from, but you're used to seeing the total at the bottom of your report that says 11, you sold $1,100 in retail, but you didn't do the the real work that, you know, three months ago, you bought most of that retail and you've forgotten that you've spent it. So online, it's just, I think that the hardest part is going to be changing the mindset of, of the industry, not the client, because the client's behavior is already there. Already there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, fair. it's changing. It's changing the stylist perception on, um, we're not taking anything away from you. We're simply meeting consumer behavior where it's living now. I mean, right. Amazon's doing it, you know, why, why, why can't we evolve into that too? Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I mean, I think that, I think part of the hiccup is just the way that we've been set up as an industry. You know, it's like, we don't, we don't buy product from matrix. We buy product from, you know, matrix in between, you know, whoever that is. So, and that's a business that needs to survive too, you know? So how we, I think the big resistance has been, you know, from the top necessarily. Right. Because. well, and I, and I think that understanding that like, we are the end of the line for them, right. Salon centric isn't, and I mean, I love them. My rep is, is, is a gem to me, but I am the end of the line for him. I am who he's marketing to. So understanding who we are marketing to and, you know, understanding that while matrix is probably selling some stuff in some stores, their main profit is us because, right. you know, what they sell it to us for is severely marked up from what they manufacture it for or whatever they buy from or whatever that might look like, you know? And I think that it's just allowing your brain to shift into that, you know, business type mindset of understanding, you know, like I'm their consumer. So now I need to communicate to my consumer. Well, but that's kind of my point is that we have so many consumer lines going down, you know, it's like you get paid, you know, this is, you're my customer, you're my customer, you're my customer that I think sometimes as an industry and, and not us as hairstylists, but, but uh, above us in the industry, I think we forget that at the end of the day, the end consumer is the one that's opening that bottle and putting it on their hair. And that's not us. That's not the distributor. And that's not the company at the end of the day, that, that, that's our clients. And, 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 and I think, I think in that funnel, a lot of times as an industry, we forget who's, who's opening that bottle and shampooing their hair with, you know, very, um, very and, and I, 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 again, I've been on the soapbox um, a couple of times is, is even like, and Tony and I hate to have this conversation, but we'll have it anyways. Like during COVID, I think it, it, it should have been the industry. It should have been L'Oreal. It should have been, you know, fill in like the billion dollar corporation. They should have been doing PSAs all over the place. They should have had a Super Bowl commercial saying, hey, as an industry, we have your back. And they what they should have been doing is they should have been driving clients back into the salon and not and not and not and not not disappear. Because what happened or what I felt that happened, and this might just be my feelings getting hurt a little bit, but but what happened was all the pressure came on us to buy more product. All the pressure came on the businesses to buy more product where they should have never been marketing to us in the first place. They should be marketing to the end consumers because they're the only ones that have the access to, to, to the industry. And we would have picked up clients, not us. I mean, our industry would have picked up clients, you know, along the way and be like, Oh, they've got our back, you know, yeah. and, and, I mean, and the, the end clients essentially fund it all. Right. But I will say what was very interesting to me is most companies came out with affiliate links during COVID and about six to eight, six to 12 months after COVID, they retracted it. So it's, you know, it's, it's just, it's a very interesting dynamic. And I think that like, if I can just accept who I am to them and who I need to be for the consumers that, you know, bring profit to my company, then all, all will align. And I think that, you know, bypassing some of that and, uh, creating a future-proofed company in the way that I like to say it is, is is the way to do it. Future-proof. I love it. Future-proof. I like that, dude. I think that that, that might be the name of this whole podcast because we kind of chatted about insurance and everything. (laughs) Proof. So that future-proof. Um, yeah, I was, I was just going to say, you know, you know, anytime, something's been in place for so long and, and, and you're trying to change it. You're going to get resistance. You're going to get people afraid. You're going to get pe- yeah, a little friction. Uh, it, it's kind of like with, with, it's funny, like, you know, the older I get with technology and stuff, I could kind of like, okay, you know, you, you struggle with a little bit of change. You struggle, you know, you kind of like, you're not familiar with it. And you look at the young people they are like, whizzing right through <laughs> yeah, right, it. Right. Exactly. All thumbs. Yeah. So <laughs> it, what it is, is just like, you know, 
uh, I think a lot of people are just trying to hold on to the past or trying to hold on to what they know and they're afraid of the future. So, um, you know, for them. yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think this is the appropriate time too. like, as we're talking about future proof, like you have to listen to another podcast that's out there called destroy the hairdresser because they've been on all of this. Yeah. David should have been on this for years now. Like, like, like it was, it was kind of funny, Rochelle, like, during COVID, I think two people came um, to, to what well, we'll call it people for a sec. Two people came like to the top or, or the cream kind of came to the top. Right. And that was Dave and Sydney would destroy the hairdresser. Like they're kind of like what they've been preaching for five years. Like, oh, now it starts to make sense. That's true. You know? And, and, and they've kind of jumped on the moment, not jumped on because they are the momentum. They're the momentum of that. And then Kia Neal, she's another one that during, during, uh, during the COVID time, it was different stuff, but kind of what she had been preaching for five years started to, started to, you know, to, yeah. to rise to the top of the coffee too. So, so you know, big shout out to both of those, those, yeah. those. So my salon people. is, my salon is essentially a DTH salon. I, perfect. You know, I mean, yeah. like, like legitimately yeah. we love Dave and, um, and Sid awesome. and just, love what what they're bringing to the industry and, and they've been on a podcast a couple of times and yeah. we've been on their podcast and, and it's just yeah they're we love them Sid and i chat all the time actually you know what was, you know what's really interesting though and i hope i don't get in trouble for this <sighs> yeah go there so we were talking <laughs> well we were talking to our good friend michael cole and michael cole started the summit stuff right and like let me tell you about michael michael is always the student you know, it doesn't, it might not always look that way, but he's always the student because he, he sat in on a conversation that, that Sid and David were having and he, and, and he only comes in with, with eyes wide open. He's not, he's, he, he's trying to learn what's next. And, 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 and then, you know, what, what he did was after he heard Sid and David is that he ran the numbers, you know, cause that's what he does. Like, does this make sense? Can this make sense? Or how do we make sense of this? And, and, and I was really I was really impressed with Michael when we had that conversation because he's intrigued by that, you know, and, 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 and he's not, he's not the guy that's working. He's, he's, he's trying to learn how to use the thumbs. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like he's trying to figure it all out, figure it all out. He's not running away from it. He's not running away from it. And he's not like, he's not like putting his foot down going, this can't work. That's not Michael at all. And I know that from personal experience, not, not just about like destroy the hairdresser, but, but he has a lot of respect for them. He, he'll never come out and say it, but maybe I just did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for me coming up in a summit salon structure, I think it's more so like, I understand the tactics that m- salons that operate that way, numerical benchmarks and, you know, your pre-booking and stuff like that. They're the least motivating thing. And they, I don't want to say that they don't matter, but it's not it as a commission salon owner. That's not my job is to approach them with that. My job is to lead them with their goals first and foremost, and to understand where they are, where they want to be and where my position in that is to aid them in that. And they're not going to get that from understanding their pre-booking and their return, their return clients and such like that. I think, I think, I think we also have to give, I'm going to give respect to to, to summit um, just because when they were developed, remember that we were a hobby industry and what, and and what their goal was, was like, let's start thinking of ourselves as a fortune 500. Here's how fortune 500 companies, you know, uh, uh, here's their metrics and how they, and how they do stuff. Now, I think as an industry, now we're kind of evolving past, just like the rest of the world is we're kind of evolving, evolving past that. But, but I think like we talked about, you know, there's always a place and a time for everything. And and I think that that that's kind of what their place was. And that's what, that's what Michael brought to us. Like we were a hobby industry and now, you know, we want, we want to be a little better than that. Yeah. They were exactly where they needed to be for that. That moment. And, you know, just like all of us are, I am sure that they are behind the scenes evolving into, you know, the future, which is Ever. great. That, that's, that's what we all need. Rochelle, thank you so much, man. Like I was, I was so energized by, by, by this conversation. It's probably one of the fastest hours. It, yeah. It flew by. You totally, I can't even believe it. actually it's been a little bit over an hour. Hasn't yeah. It? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of crazy. Rochelle, thank you so much. Thanks for your time. Thanks for uh, hanging out with this. And, and, and I'm serious. Like, how how can our listeners oh yeah like, yeah, yeah find you and learn more yeah. about you and things that you're up to? Sure. So my personal Instagram is at Rochelle Golden Hairstylist. That's me, everything that's me. And then our company is at House of Gold Salon. 
Um, so company based and, you know, what we're doing as a salon is there. And then what I'm doing leadership, all of those things is on mine. I'm so going to confuse you with Presley because she just opened up her salon, which is called like Golden House or Gold House or something like that. Oh, jeez! I'm, I'm, I'm never going to be able to like, what was it? Was it House of Gold or Golden House or whatever, whatever, whatever it is. It's That's so, awesome. I'm going to confuse myself now, but you know, all the gold out there. That's right. Yeah. All the gold out there. I mean, mine's just notched off my name, so. Right. Hers is <laughs> off her fingernail polish or something. That's like that. totally fine. Thank <laughs> you, guys. That's cool. Rochelle, thank you, man. I, thank you for yeah. uh, jumping on with this. I know we've been trying to do this for a minute. Um, I appreciate you, and uh, I, I appreciate Alicia and stuff for kind of getting us to to talk in the first place. Uh, Alicia from, from Salon Scale. We didn't even get into that, but. Um, and we're yeah. big fans of you, by the way. Yeah. If we did, you're a bigger fan that. now. I got to be oh, honest. Huge. Yeah. yeah, I'm huge fans of you guys. What you guys are doing for this industry and just kind of opening mics up to different people in this industry and in different in in different areas and arenas is is fascinating. So thank you. Well, thank you. We appreciate that, Miss Rochelle Golden of House of Gold. Thank you for joining us on your day. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, share it with friends. Give us a rating and drop a review. To listen to all the latest podcasts, please subscribe from your favorite podcast outlet. And to stay connected on and off the show, you can follow us at Hairdistry on Instagram and all other social media platforms. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Peace and love.